Praise God. Praise God. Amen. How many love the Lord tonight? Amen. If you have your Bible, let's go to Psalm number 144. And I want to say thank you to all of you that have come and lent your anointing, your talent, your energy, and to become part of what God is doing at No Limits. No Limits is hosted at the Rock Church, but this is not the Rock Church. This is No Limits. This is you and us together. And uh, we honor you. We thank God not only for all of the speakers and the sponsors, but the men and women of God from so many different backgrounds and places today that you have come together at this meeting and we honor, we honor you. Amen. This is a prayer request. It says, Sister Johnson and I are at the UC Davis Hospital with Sierra. Is this Brother Jim Johnson? Brother Jim Johnson, she is in, they're here in town and they just took her to the UC Davis Hospital. And uh, they are asking for us to pray. And is Brother Reeves here? Brother Braden Reeves. Come up here, Brother Reeves. This weekend, this missionary thought his baby was faced with leukemia. But today, she doesn't have leukemia. Brother Reeves, you're going to Crete as a missionary. We'll talk about that tomorrow night. But I want you to pray for Jim Johnson's daughter like we prayed for yours this weekend. And would you join with this man of God and let's pray for the Johnson daughter, Sierra, right now. Hallelujah. Let's all pray. In the name of Jesus, God, we come before you. God, if you've done it once, you can do it again. I pray right now that you would touch this Johnson baby in the name of Jesus. Let the power of the Holy Ghost come into that room right now, Lord. Whatever they expect is wrong with her. I pray right now that the Holy Ghost would take that in the name of Jesus. Let healing virtue flow into that body. God, will give you the thanks, we'll give you the glory. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we're claiming the power, the healing power of the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Let's turn that petition into praise right now. Come on, let's thank God that he hears our prayer. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Carpenter. Last night, what a word from the Lord. Honor you, sir. Thank you. And then today, Brother Rick Treese. What a, what, a, what a gift to the church. We love Brother Treese. What a great word. And then, and then my bishop. I got two bishops. I'm like a chessboard. Bishop, I love you. I believe what you preached. Amen. Amen. Psalm 144. And uh, let's look at verse number 7 to begin with. To all of our guests, thank you for being here. I look forward to tomorrow.
tomorrow, Brother Kenbo, Brother Stephen Jones, and then tomorrow night, it's going to be a great, great night. Amen. Verse number 7 of Psalm 144. Send thine hand from above, rid me, and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of strange children. Skip down to verse number 11. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children. Everybody say strange children. Now he gives a description. Whose mouth speaketh vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. That our garners may be full, affording all manner of store. That our sheep may keep forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. That our oxen may be strong to labor. That there be no breaking in or going out. That there be no complaining in our streets. Happy. Everybody say happy. Is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God abideth forever. Amen. I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where my father was the pastor of the United Pentecostal Church. 3155 Victoria Drive. The Victorious Church on Victoria Drive. Amen. I got a lot of memories, Dad, from that time. And uh, I want Boston and London and Haley, I want my kids to come up. They're going to help me preach this today. Let me just cut to the chase Conference is over. I'm going to act like there ain't one preacher in here but me. We're about to have youth camp tonight. I felt, I had another message I was going to preach, but I felt, I felt like the Holy Ghost told me to preach to the young people. And I've learned it's better to do what God says than what we want to do. And I'm just going to go ahead before I start preaching. Every preacher in here that stood, you are deputized at this youth camp tonight to lay hands on any young person by you. We're going to have a Holy Ghost move in this house tonight. Amen. My dad pastored the church in Baton Rouge and my mother was the choir director. So on Sunday evenings, choir practice began uh, at 6 o'clock when we started at 7.30. And then we got modern and went to 6.30, I think. And so we started at 5. I wasn't old enough to be in the choir yet. So choir was from 6 to 7. So I had free time while my dad was studying or counseling. And mom was directing the choir and her eyes were not always upon me. And uh, it was a long rectangular building and there were doors on either side of the platform. Stage left, there was a door that had an outside door that led to the parking lot and to the Belmont apartments which were next door to the church. And 
I learned if I timed it just right when mom was starting the choir and dad was in a counseling session, I could slip past the banister, through the stage left door and out the swinging doors into the parking lot, hop the eight-foot fence, move through the Belmont Apartments to Winburn Avenue where there was a local 7-Eleven. Now, some of you in California may not even know about this or maybe some gray-haired folks. I grew up in a state when we had blue laws. Anybody remember blue laws? Yeah, I got about five hands. Blue laws were, were where the stores couldn't be open on Sunday. And then it started changing and stores could open at noon. Now they let the restaurants open because they needed all the Baptist people at the buffet on Sunday. So the mall would raise its metal gates, keep all the stores closed, but the Piccadilly would be open. And we'd go to the cafeteria. Y'all, I hear some people know about Piccadilly. But 7-Eleven, for whatever reason, they were open on Sunday. And so when mom and dad were doing the work of ministry, I would hop the fence with a couple of my buddies. I'm telling on myself and my daddy's probably going to get his belt together after a while. 7-Eleven was open. And I had about a 50-minute window before choir practice ended and we were supposed to be in the prayer room from 7 to 7.30. And so I would sneak over after having pillaged my mom's purse and found the quarters because there was video games at the 7-Eleven and chips. So between Cheetos and Centipede and Galaga and Defender and Pac-Man, 7-Eleven was the hangout on Wimburn Avenue. And my mom and dad didn't know that's where I spent a lot of Sunday evenings prepping for church. There were some strange kids at the 7-Eleven. And uh, because there wasn't a lot of options back in those days, I feel like an old man talking like this. We didn't have video games at home. We didn't have 3D glasses. We, we actually had to put a quarter in and then actually do something with our hand. And, and uh, we, we played those video games and it was a strange group of kids that hung out. On Wimburn Avenue. And honestly, looking back, it wasn't the best environment for a young person. But I was thinking the other day as I read this passage in verse number 7. Rid me and deliver me out of the great waters from the hand of strange children. That was verse 7. And then I looked at verse 11. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children. 7 and 11. It don't sound like David's 7-11 was any better than mine. 
So I came to preach to this youth camp tonight. The strange children at 7-Eleven. How many young people are going to preach with this evangelist tonight? I want to know if there's any one God apostolic tongue-talking young people that want to move a God in 2018. You may be seated. Strangers. We learned early, don't talk to. Never take candy from. Don't get in the car with her. And we heard today, Brother Tree says, he took us through a Hebrew class. And we heard about strange or alien fire. And strange incense and strange women. The Bible's full of strange things. Strange fire, strange incense, strange women, strange wives, strange vines, strange vanities, strange languages. And in our text tonight in 7 and 11, there are strange children. And when you find the term strange in the Word of God, it is connected with things that are heathen or pagan, carnal, immoral, ungodly outside of covenant, outside of the law of God, alien to God's purpose. And now in our text, we are introduced to 7 and 11, to the strange children. David describes them for us as those whose mouth speaketh vanity. They have the right lingo. They've learned how to say it just right. They've, they've learned how to speak it, but it's actually vanity. They, they've learned how to turn the phrase. They've learned how the game is played. They, they brag about what they're going to do and how it's going to be accomplished. And they brag about what they're going to do. And they can even tell you how it's supposed to be done. But they deceive themselves because the truth is they're unable to perform what they say. They are not able to deliver the burden. And so David describes them as children that have a mouth of vanity. And David revealed that in their right hand is, it's a right hand of falsehood. They'll shake your hand, look you in the eye and speak words of commitment. And words of faith. And offer you the assurance that they believe this truth, but their hand that they extend is a hand of falsehood. They act and speak as if they have and believe the same truth. But don't be mistaken by the strange kids at 7-Eleven. They don't believe the same thing that we believe. They may know how to say it just right and they know how to wave it just right and know how to move it just right and sing it just right. But, but don't make the mistake of believing they're in covenant with you. Because they are covenant breakers. Paul described a generation of covenant breakers. He said they're without understanding. He said they are without natural affection. Indicates more than, 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 than just the way it reads. It indicates that there's something missing. 
It's as if there's a missing link in their DNA. They don't even have it. You can't find it in them. It doesn't matter how hard you preach and it don't matter how, how long and faithful the church has been. They somehow missed it sitting on your pew. There's no understanding there without natural affection. And, and you recognize them because they become callous very early. Cynical. Has anybody heard any cynical people lately? They destroy covenants that were established long before they got here. They destroy inheritances. Has anybody besides me noticed that there's been some churches destroyed? Some ministries handed with a handshake. Handed to men that they thought believed apostolic truth. But it was a right hand of falsehood. And it was a mouth full of vanity. The Bible says that they are implacable, which means they are not satisfied. It, it starts with just a little bit. But they're not satisfied until they tear every single little thing until the big things begin to fall with it. Hosea would describe them. He called them revolters. And he said they will not frame their doings. You can't get boundaries on their life. You can't get them framed and in the program of God's kingdom and operation. They will not change their ways. Conviction is something that is in the rear view mirror. They take no voice of reason. They take no voice of correction. There is no understanding of how their deeds can destroy others and families in the future. They will not turn to God. They are implacable. They will not be satisfied. What's the reason? Bible says a spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them. Where do these strange kids at 7-Eleven come from? Well, honestly, they got their spirit from their mama. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 20, Surely as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have you dealt treacherously with me. Hosea speaking of an unfaithful wife in verse number 7 of chapter 5. He said they have dealt treacherously against the Lord. For they have begotten strange children. Chapter 2 and verse 4. Hosea said I will not. God said I will not have mercy upon her children. For they are the children of whoredom. You see it was the spirit a prostitution that gave birth to the kids at 7-Eleven. No wonder David would say, Rid me from the hand of strange children. David had a hard time, Brother Diaz, with the kids at 7-Eleven. He wanted to be free from the strange kids at 7-Eleven. He prayed to God. He said, rid me, deliver me, get them out of my life. They're the ones that should have got it right. But instead they were playing games. 
And David goes back in his mind. I'm going to preach in just a moment. David goes back in his mind. And the first verse of the chapter we read or the psalm we read from, 144. David begins by saying, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. David looks at these strange kids at 7-Eleven. And they're playing games with righteous things. But he's looking back at his childhood and his teenage years. And he said, while they're playing games, I was learning to fight. He said, Lord, you taught my hands to war and my fingers to fight. No no wonder he didn't want any part of strange kids at 7-Eleven. David in his youth had mastered the art of war. And he had learned to fight. Keeping care of his father's sheep. While just a young man, with his hands, he learned to fight. He took on a lion. He took on a bear with his bare hands. Not as a 50-year-old king, but as a teenage boy. He learned the art of war. He learned how to fight with his hands. While everybody else was playing games and hiding in the caves and in the bushes, there was a young boy that walked out and looked at a giant face-to-face and said, Is there not a cause you teach my hands to fight? No wonder he said, deliver me from the strange kids at 7-Eleven. I don't want any part. He didn't have the armor of the king. He just had a little sling. But he learned how to fight with what he had. He would stand face to face with a compromising king full of fear. He would go toe-to-toe with a giant. He would square off with a demonic spirit armed with nothing but a harp. That's the kind of guy you want in your church. No wonder, David said, rid me of the strange kids at 7-Eleven. But I want you to notice something in this text. David wants riddance of these strange kids. Not just because they're on his last nerve. Is there anybody you ever just be with people you don't want to be with? I mean, you just get with, you know, you you got that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Now, there there was evidently a little of that there. But there's a lot more to this text than just not geeing and hawing with these kids. I want you to notice that the reason he wants deliverance from these strange children, hear me, because he got a vision Of what our sons and daughters can be. 
Y'all ain't with me yet. If I, I feel like Brother McDonald, if I had some Bible readers, we'd, all, we'd already be at the house eating. It wasn't just because they were crunching his nerves. But the reason he wanted deliverance is because David got a glimpse, Pastor Galindo, of what could happen to our sons and our daughters if we could ever break free from the strange kids at 7-Eleven. I came to preach to no limits on this youth camp service tonight. There is a revival that we have not yet seen. There is a dimension of power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost if we can ever break free from the strange at 7-Eleven. Oh, I wish I had half a church in here that believe what I'm preaching tonight. He said in verse 12 that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. And that our daughters may be as the cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace. I want to preach to our sons. That's why I got my son and my two daughters on the platform tonight. Boston and Haley and London, I'm going to preach to you. And I'm going to preach to every young man and young woman in this church. Notice the reason he wanted freedom from the kids at 7-Eleven. is because there was a vision that he got of a son that was grown not in his 50s, not in his 60s, but in his youth. He was full grown. Not of a daughter that was 35 and 40, but a daughter that was standing like a cornerstone, even though she's only 19. The language indicates that our sons would be as mighty oaks. Well nurtured. Already bearing fruit in their youth. Already flourishing in their teenage years. Already producing greatness in their 20s. Full grown even though they're only 25. Full grown even though they're only a senior in high school. Shout a mighty oak. Shout a mighty oak. That means they were planted Placed, mature, settled, rooted, grounded. Boston, he said that our sons would be planted like a mighty oak. Oaks are outside. Our sons as mighty oaks. In London and Haley. To our daughters as cornerstones or pillars polished like a palace. Let me tell every godly young lady in this room tonight. God needs strength and beauty in the sanctuary. He didn't say... Our daughters are going to be dirty floor. He said our daughters are going to be like pop. 
call his cornerstone. In other words, they've been cut out. They've been carved. They've been placed. Not to be just a pedestal. No, we're going to hook something up to you, baby. We're going to put something else there upon you ladies. You young ladies, we're going to build this church. So deliver me from 7-Eleven. Get me to where there's strong oaks and pillars and cornerstone of young men and women grown up. Don't you ever mistake an apostolic young lady as just another pretty face. They look cute, they look pretty, they dress up and get that hair all right. But let me tell you something, when they get in the house of God and they lift their hands with that uncut hair and that clean face and that right spirit clothed in the holiness of God, there's a power, there's a shaking, there's a move of the spirit. Something happens when you got young ladies that are cornerstones in the house of God. So you got young ladies in the church and you got mighty oaks in the field. You may be seated. In case you didn't know it, that don't just happen. That means that boy has got to be cultivated. He's got to be planted. He's got to be nourished. That young lady's got to be carved, placed, and polished. Can I stop for a minute in this youth camp and preach to all of the dorm supervisors that are here? All of you that are running the snack shack out back. It ain't going to just happen. We're going to have to take some responsibility. And we may be 50. Boy, that sounds weird, don't it? I'm the coolest 50-year-old you ever met. I can tell you that right now. But somewhere, some of us 50-year-olds that are just getting into where stuff's starting to work, We may have to take a back seat to a younger anointing. Oh, we don't like that, do we? Somebody's going to have to start believing in young people. Hey, I got news for you. I know there's some nuts down at 7-Eleven, but we ain't at 7-Eleven right now, baby. We're in the house of God. And I'm looking around. I'm seeing some anointed young men. I'm seeing some anointed young people that don't want to compromise, that don't want to walk away from truth. We need to invest in our young people. We got to believe in them. We got to nourish them. We got to concentrate and get the power to the trees. 
Well, I'm just going to stay here a minute. You may be seated. We'll get back to youth camp. Let's go to No Limits for a minute. Well, this is going. Well, after what Brother Carpenter said, I can say whatever I want to tonight. I'll let you mature saints figure out what this is. The psalmist said in 127 and 2, he said, it's vain for you to rise up early. Got that? And sit up late. If you study this, this is about two people. This is really about two people, two ships passing in the night. You got one cat that's getting up early while the other partner's staying up late. And ain't nothing happening. And they're eating the bread of sorrow. There's no fruit being born. Because it's like some of y'all doing y'all shift work. You ain't even got a relationship in your marriage anymore. You're so busy, there's no connection. And the psalmist said, it's vanity because the next verse he said, because children are the inheritance of the Lord. I came to warn my generation, the one above us, we can't get so busy with life and ministry that we forget how to give birth to some younger people. We can't get so busy preaching our conferences and doing our missions and running the business of the church that nowhere is there ever children being birthed. Hey, we got to give place to some young men and women to rise up. Because he went on and said, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Apostolic movement, UPC, WPF, ALJC, Apostolic Assembly, PAW, ABC, and not that other group. It had been here last night. I don't care what club you're in. I don't care. I could, I could care less. Or you don't have to be in a club. I care less. So much for that. But could we all agree on one thing? That our greatest asset is our young people. Brother Young, I don't know if I agree with that. I I believe in elders. I believe in elders too. I got two of them that I deal with every week, every day of the week. And a mother-in-law on top of that and a mom on top of that. And a wife that can out-preach all four of them. But let me tell you something. I'll tell you what that man put in me right there. That man believed in young preachers. And young women. And that man believes in young preachers. And young women of God. We have got to understand that the greatest asset of the apostolic church is our young people. We got to get this doctrine. We got to get this power. We got to get this anointed handed from grandma to us to this generation. I read a book recently of a Jewish girl, a Jewish girl that was married to a Nazi officer. It's the story of Edith Hahn Beer. 
and her survival, her story of how she had been married to this man. In the book, she describes the path of assimilation for the Jewish people between World War I and World War II and how parents had thought to distance their children and family from their Jewishness and just assimilate in and just, just fit in to the point that this young lady actually married a Nazi officer. I read and I wrote it down. I quote from her book in describing this path of assimilation. She said, as young people, we had all the burdens of being Jewish in an anti-Semitic country, but we had none of the strengths. She described my home and homes like mine. There was no Torah learning. There were no prayers and trips to synagogue. And she said, quote, there was no welded community. And she summed it up and she said, we had no deep faith in God. Because in thinking we'll just fit in with everybody. It did not free them, Brother Buxton, from their Jewishness. They were still Jewish. And they were literally without a people. Trying to find meaning and survival. There was no prayer. There was no Torah. There was no welded community. And as a result, she said, we had no deep faith in God. Can I tell this apostolic movement, we are not going to save our children by assimilating into the world. Somewhere we got to get prayer back in the home. Somewhere we got to get to where we teach the word of God. We got to get that community of faith back. And we got to get a deep faith in our God. Your baby needs to hear you pray, daddy. Your daughter needs to hear you pray, mama. They need to be at youth camp. They need to be at church. They need to be at youth service. They need to be a part of the welded community of the apostolic faith. You may be seated. The young lions do lack. Psalm 34 and 10, they suffer hunger. Can I tell you something? There's some hungry young lions out in this audience right now. There's some hungry young men in your church. There's some hungry young women in your church. He said, come ye children, listen to me. And I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Could I stir every preacher, every church leader, every parent? Could we make a concerted focused effort that starting in this service and until Jesus Christ returns to throw our energy into the generations coming behind us to hand them an unadulterated apostolic truth and give them the power to operate in that kingdom give them the power to expand the kingdom of God
Now let's go back to youth camp. To our sons and daughters, David said the sons were full grown in their youth. And the daughters were the cornerstones as the similitude of a palace. Here is the difference. Young people, listen to me today. They were young people that were fully, everybody shout fully, fully settled, planted, established in their youth. Mighty oaks, full grown in their youth. An oak tree takes a long time to grow. I came to preach to young people tonight. We ain't got time. We, we, it ain't good English, but I'm from Louisiana. We ain't got time for you to take 20 years to figure this thing out. Young lady, we, we, we don't know how soon the Lord's going to come. I don't got all that figured out, but I'll tell you one thing. I know one thing. We don't have enough time for you to play games and wreck your future and then decide to live for God. We need some full-grown oaks. We need some full-grown cornerstones that are 19 years old but are already pillars in the church. You know what? I I can't, I'm just going to tell you, I've already given up on some. Sorry, young be seated. I've already given up on some people my age. Sorry. I'm watching a, boy, I'm just into it now. I'm watching a generation, they have a baby and they think they're the first person on planet earth that ever had a baby. They're 27 years old. They got a two-year-old and they can't sing in the choir anymore. They can't work at the church because little Johnny's got a birthday party tomorrow. Hey, this is my church. I can say what I want to say. I'm not here to straighten all them out. I can't. I done gave up. Somehow or another, my mama had three kids directed the choir and cleaned the church and organized the song books because daddy would get ticked off if we didn't get it. Mama made us work too. Some of y'all got one baby that cries every 10 minutes and that just takes all of your ministry away. Stick a cork in that sucker's mouth and start going to church and get involved. Find a way. Let your baby grow up in the house of God. They sure don't stay home from the ball game because their baby's crying. They should take a diaper bag to the ball game. And that baby, they never complain about it going into extra innings. 
Johnny's got school tomorrow. We got to slip out. It's altar time. But at the ball game, they're wanting extra innings. They want an extra quarter. They want overtime. Hey, don't give me that mess. This is the house of God. I need my baby full of the Holy Ghost. I want them seeing me drunk in God's presence. Well, little Susie, well, I got to be politically correct. Little Jose, I'm in California. We just, we, you pastor, we, we, we can't stay because they keep the temperature too cold. Yeah. And my little five-year-old, five-month-old babies, you're going to get a cold. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, try that at the giant stadium. Yeah. This San Francisco weather's a little cold. Yeah. We're not gonna. We're just gonna slip out in the first inning. Go buy your kid a parka and stay in the pew. Because your baby needs to grow up hearing that organ play, seeing those people shout. They may sleep under the pew. Bobby Pins may hit them in the face, but they need to know what Pentecost feels like. I can't fix all you that's got all those issues, but I'm going to preach to all you young people. Don't go down that stupid road. Make up your mind. I'm 16, but I'm in this. I'm 18 and I'm in this. I'm 21 and I'm in this. Pastor, you can count on me. I'm a mighty oak. Pastor, you can count on me. I'm a cornerstone. You may be seated. I get tired of saying. People ask me. Because you know. I mean this is a pretty small pond. Apostolic movement. We kind of know each other. Youth camps and camp meetings and conferences. and You know. How's old so and so doing? Yeah, I remember him from youth camp. Oh well. He shows up about every other service. Boy he had such potential. I'm sick of hearing that. You know, you know what I'd like to start telling people? Oh yeah. Jose's 18. He's my biggest prayer warrior. Lucretia's 23. But brother, when she sings, she can sing. When she prays, heaven moves. Uh, Johnny, he's there every Saturday on bus ministry. Oh, yeah. Susie, she's teaching Sunday school. She never misses a service. She's only 19, but brother, you can count her. He's only 21, but he's there every service. Mighty oaks and pillars in the house of our God. Maybe see it, I'm almost done. He didn't stop there. The 13th verse, he gave a description. All you prosperity preachers, you ought to pay attention. He said that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands. 
and ten thousands in our streets. Our garners. That's outside. That's the fold. That's the field. That's where you keep the cow. That's where you keep the horses. That's where you keep all that stuff. You're growing out there. It's our streets. Our folds and our fields. We got garners and streets. We got folds and fields. We got outside the oak and inside the pillar. He wanted this thing. Blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. But I hope you didn't miss the revelation. The way it happens is if there's some young men and women that grow up real quick and say, I got this thing. It's not dependent upon the elders to produce. But David centers it on our sons and our daughters. Verse 14, you may be seated that our oxen may be strong to labor. Muzzle not the ox. Daddy, you better hush your mouth before you tear down that preacher in front of your daughter or son. Because you may be robbing your church of that man, that young man or that young lady given a revelation of the power of God in their life. That young man or woman may rise up and be the greatest contributor to the work of God. You don't know what they could become. So you let that oxen, you let him be strong to labor and let those young people grow as mighty oaks and pillars in the church that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in the streets. Giving birth and bearing fruit. Hey, 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 hey. You don't have to be very smart to figure out old people don't have babies. I want you to think about that for a minute. Young people have babies. He didn't give Babies to grandparents. The growth of the apostolic church. I thank God for every elder in this room. They are our strength. And they have handed truth to us. But the growth of the apostolic movement is not on the shoulders of Nate Wilson. And Curtis Young. And Johnny Godare. And Larry Booker. And other elders in this building, young people, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, the growth and revival of the apostolic movement is on your shoulders. Old people don't have babies. Young people have babies. You got to get this thing in your gut early on. He said that our oxen be strong to labor. That there is no breaking in nor going out. This ain't on the elders. I'm sorry, I may be crossing theological swords with you. That's all right. But I'm I'm putting the weight of this on young people. We're living in a day and age where mom and daddy don't even know about the sin that's out there. 
They're inventing new ways to sin on the internet. And some of you kids in this youth camp, last night in the dorm you had your phone. And you were doing stuff on that phone, your mom and daddy wouldn't even know how to even find it on the phone. If we're depending on Curtis and Joe Alice Young to protect the youth group, my daddy don't even know how to operate that stuff. He can't come to the pulpit next week and lay a new rule about your technology. Somewhere there's got to be a young person that says, teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. This ain't on daddy. This ain't on grandma. This is on me. I'm only 18, but we got to protect this youth group. We got to protect this revival in our church. Daddy don't understand. Grandpa don't understand. Pastor don't even know. He's already 50 years old. It's already past him. But God, teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. I'm a young man. Make me a mighty oak. Make me a pillar. Make me a cornerstone. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but to these young people, you may be seated. The maintenance of the fence, so there was no breaking in and stuff being taken out, was on the young people. No wonder, David said, (laughs) happy as a man. That hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They. The kids. Not the bunch down at 7-Eleven. But they. Shall speak. With the enemy. In the gates. You got it Haddon. I don't know if you got what he just said. What he's telling you, young people, he said, y'all got to be the one guarding this fence of the apostolic church. That there's no breaking in. It ain't all on your pastor. Some of you young men need to go ahead and be a mighty oak in the car with the other young men. Some of you young ladies need to go ahead and be a polished, beautiful cornerstone in the car with the other young people. They turn that worldly music on. Hey, you said, no, 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 no. We don't do that. Why? I'm a cornerstone, baby. We don't let that in this youth group. We don't let that spirit in here. Why? We need 10,000 more sheep in this church. And if we mess this up, that fence will come down and things will get out. We won't only lose those 10,000. We'll lose the sheep that are already here. That ain't on your pastor, young person. That's on you. Do you know what these crazy preachers would do with a youth group like that? We would turn the world upside down.
instead of having to counsel people back out of fornication and out of cutting their hair and messing up here and going to the movies there and doing the, what would happen if the meetings were pastor I taught a Bible study last night oh I got a prayer meeting started at school I'm almost done. Sit down. Young people, listen to me. He said that there was no complaining in the street. What does that mean? It literally means there was no wailing, no crying in the street. I'm tired of watching apostolic people lose out with God. I'm tired of looking at grandparents whose tears are rolling down their face because their grandbabies no longer they will never know an apostolic move of God because their rebellious children walked out and took their grandbabies out on the street. But David said, you give me some young men and women that'll guard this fence and there won't be no grandmas and grandpas complaining and wailing and crying in the streets because their baby will never know an apostolic move of God. That's not on grandpa, young person. That's on you. Adolf Hitler, when asked why he focused on young people, he said, he alone, quote, who wins the youth gains the future. This was the reasoning behind the Hitler Youth Movement that he began in 1922. And by the time he arrived in power in 1933, 50,000 kids were members of the Hitler Youth. And by 1939, 90% of German children were part of Hitler Youth. The future of the apostolic movement is dependent not on the elders, but on the young people. But it won't be on kids from 7-Eleven. It's going to be from young men that say, I will be a mighty oak. And a young lady... That says, I will be a cornerstone. We need you now. I'm not talking about 20 years from now. I'm going to be 70 years old. I probably won't even care what you do then. We need you now you're not the church of tomorrow you're the church of today I did my homework I I went and searched brother Google as brother Dan McClure says the average age of the US military including its officers In the Air Force, the average age is 30. In the Army and Navy, the average is 29. In the Marines, it's 25. The average officer is 35. The average enlisted total is 28. But what you may not know if you're not in the military is that the Army no longer accepts enlisted men 
by rule. There are some exceptions. Beyond age 35. The Navy doesn't accept you past age 35. And the Marines don't enlist you past age 28. He preached this morning. Brother Rick Treese. I don't know how old he was. I was about 14, 15. And Rick Treese was a young evangelist. I don't, how old were you the first time you came? 18. So I was probably, I was younger than that. He used to come and preach for my daddy. He was the apostolic Arnold Schwarzenegger. Man, I remember. Then he came with his new bride. Man, she looked like a model. And I'll tell you what. Every young boy in the church wanted a wife that looked like that. I'm just going to be honest with you. She's embarrassed. And every young man wanted a set of shoulders like Ricky Trees. And I'll tell you what happened to me. He got up and preached and played that guitar. Sang those Don Francisco songs. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. The gates and doors are barred. All the windows fastened down. As a 12-year-old kid, I was going, I want to be like that. I want a wife like that. I want a ministry like that. He was the first guy. He was the first guy I ever saw. He wore starch jeans and a sports jacket. I remember. I still remember. He coming to my daddy's house because those days we didn't have restaurants except Shoney's. And everything tasted the same from the salad bar to the dessert. It tasted the same. So we... So we'd go eat nice, fresh sandwiches at, at mom and dad's house. And I remember I would, I would sit in the house and he'd, he'd sweat down after church and he'd go put on his nice starch jeans and he used to have these French Shriners. See, I remember all this. You remember, you used to have a pair of French Shriner wedge heel shoes and you'd come in with those, those and, and that sports jacket. And I thought, I gotta, I, I gotta get me some jeans and a sports jacket. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. You know what I'm talking about? Man, those young preachers would come in. I never looked at J.T. Pugh and went, I want to be like that. Nate Wilson came and preached for my daddy. I hated Nate Wilson. Because my daddy woke me up. We had those intercom systems in our house. And every Sunday morning at 7.30 on WLUX, Harvest Time, Harvest Time. And my dad say, boy, Boston, I'm not Boston, Miles, time to get up. We got to go to church. Harvest Time, Harvest Time. And then he'd start preaching. I was like a machine gun. I'm like, I hate that man. I hate that man. I hate that man. Then at Pure Gold Conference, my daddy came to me. I was 15. I had a Ford Escort. He said, hey, Brother Wilson's here. He needs your car. I didn't have a car. I really hated that man then. I got vengeance. I took his daughter. 
So just deal with it, sucker. I stole her. She's mine. I'll tell you what it did. Those preachers in that home, I wanted, I didn't want to be like Nate Wilson. He was an old man from St. Louis, but I wanted to be like that young crazy preacher with that pretty wife that had a move of God when he preached at our house. I wanted it. I wanted it. I wanted what that young preacher had. Can I tell you, we need some young preachers in our pulpit. We need some young women of God on our platform. We need some cornerstones. We need some pillars. We need some mighty oh. Keep standing, I'm done. We cannot take a 23-year-old Navy pilot and put him in a $5 million airplane and launch him off of a naval aircraft carrier. Loaded with atomic weapons and say I hope they really like democracy I hope to God the soldiers that are defending this nation around the world we're putting bazookas and drones with atomic weapons I hope to God y'all help me out back there We can't be wondering why you're flying that jet with that missile on it. Do you really like America or not? We hope you're not up there going, let me just wander around and see if I can figure out what I really think about democracy. No, when we put that 21-year-old boy or that 23-year-old young officer in that plane... And we give him loaded weapons and we put a gun on his shoulder and we send him into battle. We know that young man believes in what he's fighting for. We can't hope, well, here's that plane, here's that missile, here's that gun. Well, you'll figure it out by the time you're 30. We, you, you can't do that. When you get in that plane and you got that yoke in your hand and you got that thumb next to that button, we better know 100% you believe in this nation and everything it stands for. So young preacher, when you step behind this pulpit, I better know that you believe this one God message. When you take this microphone and begin to sing on this platform. I don't want you looking for a better stage. I don't want you looking for a better award. I want you to have this in your guts that this is the stage God called me to. All you preachers, get out of this youth camp's altar space. Get up on this platform, preachers. Come on. Y'all gonna help me palm heads in a minute. This is a youth camp. All you old people, go to Snack Shack or something. I want to know 
If there's any young man in this place that says, all right, as of right now, oh, if I was Rick Bayo, oh, I wonder if there's any cornerstones, some young ladies. Come up closer. There's others trying to get down here. All right. I want every preacher in this house. Get, go around the outside and come around here. Or get up there. Whatever. Closest way. Get to the platform. I want every preacher in this place. Young people, young, spread out that way. Spread that way. Create a little space because somebody's going to get and lay hands on you. I want you preachers, preachers' wives. Amen. Come on. Hey, just act like this is your conference. This is your conference. This is no limits. I want everybody on this platform looking to find you a young man or a young woman. And I want you to zero in on them. And I want you to pray an anointing on them and on their life. Young men, young women. Do you believe what I preached tonight? How many want it? How many are ready to grow up in your youth? Tell you something. Hold hold on, hold on a minute. Hold on. Bishop, Dad, come here. These two men right here have a big part of my life and a big part of this ministry. Young people, listen to me. Hold on a minute, y'all. Hold on. Look at me right here. Preachers, hold on a minute. These two people have a lot of help. They have a lot of help in my life. Dad, how old are you? My dad's 77. Bishop, how old are you? 72. 72. They're a strength to me. But you know what? That ain't who I depend on every day of the week. They fought their giants. They're now sages. They're over on the side. They're giving directions and helping figure stuff out and think and pray and dream. You know who I meet with every day or every other day? These three. You know what? I don't doubt if she believes this. I don't doubt if she believes this. I don't doubt if he believes this. That's who's helping me do what I do. Because I can't do it with a 77-year-old daddy and a 72-year-old father-in-law. My daddy will preach, and he can still preach. But when he gets done preaching, he's exhausted. Brother Wilson's doing all kinds of stuff. He can't get up on a Sunday night after a choir's been huckabucking. And get up and preach like a young man. He can't go out and run the bus ministry and organize the staff. He can't do that at 72. i got to have them helping me. You know what your pastor needs? You know what your daddy needs if you're a PK? He needs you 110% in the game. (laughs) 
I want every young person that's in this room to make up your mind. I'm going home and I'm about to be my pastor's best friend. I'm about to be the oak he's been praying for. I'm about to be the cornerstone that my pastor's wife's been looking for. Pastor, I'll be there. I'll clean, I'll work, I'll pray, I'll sing, I'll play, I'll give, I'll go. Pastors and pastor's wife, preachers and preacher's wife, I want you to find some young people. I want you to pray and young people, it's about to fall on you. There's an anointing going to come on you. There's going to be anointing coming to your spirit, into your he life. Against the enemy, he is defeated. Satan's under our feet.